Go with me first to uh, John chapter 4 and verse 35. And let's look at that from the message translation. John chapter 4 and verse 35. If someone asks you this week, say, hey, uh, I, I, left, I left my wristwatch at home. Uh, what time is it right now? Don't tell them it's 2 o'clock or 3 o'clock. What should you tell them? Come on, what should you tell them? John chapter 4 and verse 35. He said, as you look around right now, wouldn't you say that in about four months, it will be time to harvest? He said, well, I'm telling you to open your eyes and take a good look at what's right in front of you. This Samaritan fields, let's take Samaritan out of it. Because we don't have Samaritan again. These American fields, these European fields, these African fields, these Indian fields, these Asian fields are what? Come on, they are what? Come on, child, don't go to sleep on me now. What are they? They are what? Ripe. What does ripe mean? It means it's ready. It means reaping the harvest of this world is gonna, it's not going to come with so much pain and heartache. It means that we are not going to have to fight and give up everything we have just to get souls saved. It means we're not going to be bruised. We're not going to suffer. We're not going to be traumatized just to get souls saved. Why? Because the harvest is ready. Well, what we need to do though then is we've got to go look for where they are. He said, because the fields are ripe, and then what time is it? Come on, this church is too quiet for my liking this morning. Come on. This is my last message until the end of November. You got to treat me right here in this service. Come on. Come on, treat me right here, Abundant Life. Come on. What time is it? We have a job, and we're going to get our job done. And we're going to get this job done by the anointing of the Holy Spirit. There are some major things that are working for us. You may think, oh, you know, sometimes people take stock of their lives. They say, oh, I don't have this. I don't have this. I don't have that. If you've been joining our Bible studies on Wednesdays, one of the things I've taught you is you got to take stock and ask yourself, what do I have? When it comes to talking about increase, don't be talking about what, I don't have this, I don't have that. You know, I don't have this, I don't have People talk about, oh, we don't have this. Oh, we wish we had. Oh, we wish we had. Come on, quit that. What do you have? What do you have? I hope those of you parents, I hope you are not raising your children in your families by constantly talking about what you don't have. You're going to raise little sissies. Weaklings that are not going to make it in the world. I hope when you talk to your families and when you talk to your children, I hope you are constantly talking to them about what you have. Even when David faced Goliath and he seemed to have no answers in the natural, he didn't talk about what he didn't have. 
It is I don't have height. I don't have weight. I don't have armor. I don't have army. I don't have money. I don't have people. I don't want to know what you don't have. What do you have? God is looking for people all over the body of Christ that will recognize what they have. Come on. Say to me, I have something God can use. Come on. What do you have? Say, I don't have this. I don't have that. I don't have. But what do you have? I have something. I realized it a long time ago. I have something God can use. I have something God can use. And the moment I realized that was the beginning of miracles in my life. Because all you need, you just need to identify what you have that God can use. Guess what? Miracles begin. Because from that moment, God starts multiplying what you recognize. <laughs> I know, I know the world wants you to believe you don't have anything useful. The devil is a liar. There are a lot of people even in church who want you to believe you don't have anything useful. I'm telling you the devil is a liar. But God is telling you this morning you have something I can use. So the fields are ripe. What time is it? Come on, help me abandon life. What time is it? <laughs> we just need, we need to be able to get our sickles and we need to be able to get to where the harvests are and we will reap the harvest of these end times. Because what time is it? Come on, help me abandon life. What time is it? As we get close to this new decade, 2020, this is going to be a glorious new decade in your life and in your family. God will do things that eyes have not seen, that ears have not heard, that the heart of man have not thought about. Why? Because what time is it? Told us the same thing, exactly the same thing in Revelations 14, 15. Just keep it there in the message. He said, another angel came out of the temple, shouting to the cloud and throne, swing your sickle and reap. Why? What time is it? Come and help me abundant life. What time is it? It's harvest time. Earth's harvest is ripe for reaping. You have to understand, the world walks on ebbs and flows. Life is in cycles. You know that. Just study the human the human body, human physique, human life, started the seasons. Life is in cycles. Just a couple of months ago, we were talking about it's summer. You could hardly put on anything and go out in the sun. And now you better be careful. In just a couple of months now, if you go out there without a thick coat, a thick jacket, you, you know. Because life is just in cycles. And there was a time when God sent missionaries from America. I got saved through a missionary from America. That's why I came to America. That's why I came to America. I got saved by a missionary from America. That's why even when we got, when we lived in Europe, lived in England, 
a church offered me an established, established Caucasian church. My wife is right here. She can witness that to you. Offered me a pastoral position, car, house, everything. And I refused it. She's here. She, she can witness that to you. She can tell you if, if I'm lying or not. He said, your fire is what we want. We want your fire. We want, we want this fire. I said, yeah, amen. I'm taking this fire to America. <laughs> I'm taking this fire. And our family, our family arrived on the shores of America with five suitcases and no money. Five suitcases. And in all these years, we've spent over millions of dollars on ministry. I'm not talking family and personal needs. And job ministry, millions of dollars have been spent on ministry. We arrived on the shores of this country with five suitcases. They said to me, are you crazy? They asked me in Reading. St. Savior's Christian Center. You can go check it out. The name of the pastor is, is an awesome. Some of, my, some of my closest friends and family are still members of that church. Pastor Billy Fennin. He sat down with me. He said, are you crazy? Did you lose your mind? We're offering you everything. You can have this and you can have this. And, and, and you, you, you I, I, I just, I need you here with me. I said, no, God is sending me to America. Some of my friends, are you crazy? And then they asked me, where, where, where are you going to stay when you get to America? I said, I don't know yet. Which, which house are you going to live in when you get there? I said, we don't know yet. We truly were like crazy people. We arrived on the shores of America with vision and nothing else. Vision and nothing else. <laughs> Hallelujah. Vision and nothing else. We had no idea where, the, where our next meal was going to come from. We had no idea where our next relationships were going to be from. We had no idea. i never forget the first car I, I drove in this America. You know, because we arrived September 30, 2000. September 30 is it two, September 27. We arrived in New York and we arrived in Cleveland September 30, 2000. And I'll never forget the first car I drove. <sighs> Some of you know Seth. He's no longer here. I think he's in one of our friend's churches. He was driving an old Mazda. That Mazda was, was so old and beaten. I mean, when we left England, we, we gave it away our car. But I had no choice. The, the first ride I had, I, 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 I was praying. I held everything. I hold, held the door, the, the driver's door. I, everything, everything seemed to be falling apart. It was winter. Nothing was banging on the dashboard. Ba, 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 ba. Hit a walk. Hit a walk. God doesn't care what you don't have. What do you have? 
Some say, Pastor, all I have is vision. Your vision is all you need to get started. <laughs> That's all you need to get started. I know I preach this message. I preach it for years and years. And people just thought, he's just blowing hot air. He's just talking theory. It's not theory. We live this life. We lived it. We didn't have a wallet full of money. We didn't have a bank account full of money. All we had was vision. And God said, it's harvest time. Go and take the land. And when we showed up, we said, we're taking the land. We're taking the land. <laughs> and someone said, do you know people? I said, no. Do you have money? I said, no. What do you have? I said, I have God and I have vision. And a lovely family. That's all you need. You need a family that won't complain when you are hungry. They will start twisting their tongue on you. Hello. This is all we're going to be having every day. Where is the dessert? And where is the... No, there's no dessert. <laughs> this Gary, that's all we have. Just eat this Gary, that's it. Go to bed. Yeah, that's all you need. That's why you have to pick everything right from the beginning. Everything, because everything matters eventually. People don't realize that everything matters eventually. You can't just based on some convenience, something that's easy. Well, let me just do this or let me just. No, you can't do that because you will pay a price for it later. You pay a price for it later. My parents-in-law may be, they may be watching. I don't know if they're joining this. They know it's a special service. But let me tell you, they will confirm to you. One of the times <clears throat> I told my wife, tell them we don't want their money anymore. They provided everything we wanted. They bought this, they bought that, they bought, you know. Because we were so broke, we were so poor. After a while, I said to my wife, tell them, no. They said, oh, you guys don't have, we want, let's give. Out of good parenting, you know, if you have children, you see your children suffering, you want to help them. They said, tell, tell, stop. Don't, don't, no, we don't want it anymore. It all adds up. Eventually, it adds up. So, when you are down to nothing, God is up to something. <laughs> when you are down to nothing, God is up to something. See, this is an all-encompassing covenant. This is not just a covenant for prosperity, a covenant for a good job, a covenant for a good wife, good husband. No, no, no. This is an all-encompassing. It covers every area. I just know our lives are secure. There is no way, no how you cut it. Our lives are secure in God because we are in covenant partnership with him. If somebody asks you this week, I forgot my wristwatch, I don't know what time is it. What should you tell them? There is more beyond what is going on in your little corner and in your small world. Jesus said, lift up your eyes. He said in John chapter 4, look around you. Look right in front of you. The harvest is ripe. It's harvest time. Lift up your eyes and get heaven's vision for your life. 
Get heaven's vision for your city. Get heaven's vision for this nation and for the world. What time is it abundant life? Come on, what time is it abundant life? There's joy in heaven over the harvest of souls. Even one soul that is saved. When you are excited about the harvest of souls like heaven is, you become positioned for increase and anything you are a part of, your family, your business, your finances, your children, your church, your ministry, will be supernaturally increased. Supernaturally. That means you will not be able to say, this is how it happened. There are things going on in this ministry right now that mega churches are not doing. There is no explanation for how it's happening. There is no natural explanation. Because it's happening on the wings of the Spirit of God. That's why I feel sorry for you. If everything you are focused on is what you can see, I've just told you our story. We arrived with five boxes with no promise. And God settled us. Why did I come to America? Because I got, through, I got saved through America. It was the dream of my life. From high school, I got saved in high school. You see, when people come to America for economic reasons, that's not why we came to America. I'm sorry. That's not why we came to America. So everybody who comes to America comes for economic reasons. They come to have a better life so that they can have, I'm sorry, that's not why we came. That's not why we came. We came because God sent us to bring the gospel here. And now do I have a revelation of it? I mean, everywhere I go, there's no joy in the church Believers are frustrated. People are tired. They don't understand the mystery of the kingdom of God. Even those that look happy in churches, deep down, they are wondering, they are confused. They don't know what to do. Do I understand now why we went, why we went through some of the stuff the Lord had us go through? It was to give us deep revelation so we could help people. So we could help people. We can let them know Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive and well. That vision is what ties you, what connects you to heaven's blessings. Let me tell you, if your blessing, your increase, your financial progress, and all of those, there's nothing wrong with those. You know, I preach prosperity here from this pulpit. But if those are the things you are focused on and the decisions you make are based on that, I am sorry for you. I feel sorry for you. Sometimes people say, oh, pastor, you know, I just don't know why that happened. I, I, you know, well, I, I have to ask you to go back and retrace all of the steps that you make, the decisions that you make. And is the kingdom of God really first? Because the Bible says if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, every other thing will be added to you. Let me try to close this because of our guests. A few weeks ago, the Lord reminded me of one of the most life 
changing experiences I had in the ministry almost 25 years ago. I want you to read with me first before I share this story with you. Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9 and look at verse, verses 2 and 3. Verse 2 says, the people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them has the light. Actually, let's read that from the Amplified. It says, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of intense darkness and the shadow of death, upon them has the light shined. There's nothing greater in this world than helping people find the light of the gospel. Everything about our lives are meant for that purpose. We have the jobs we have. So that we can help people find the light of Christ. We have the blessings that we have. So we can help people share the blessings of Christ. We have the families that we have. So that we can help people find the blessings of Christ. The life and the gospel of Christ. He said in verse 4. You Lord have multiplied the nation. You increase their joy. They rejoice before you like the joy of the harvest. Or joy in the harvest. As men rejoice. When they divide the spoil of battle. When, I got to read this out to you clearly again. When you are excited about the harvest of souls. It doesn't mean you are the one saving the souls. Most of us probably are not that well positioned to really witness the word and save the souls and bring them to and do everything. But maybe you can be a little light that guides them by your actions, by your words. Maybe you can be a little light that suggests to them that Jesus loves them. That is the ultimate reason for which you are still here. And when you are excited about the harvest of souls like heaven is, you become positioned for increase. And anything you are a part of experiences supernatural increase. You reap the harvest of blessings in every area of your life. That is the joy of the harvest. One of the most, I literally saw this light shining in, in darkness. Saw almost an entire town turn to the gospel through a painful situation 25 years ago. One of the most charitable, most loving and hungriest young believers I have had the privilege of shepherding in the ministry suddenly and mysteriously pa passed away in 1996. M.M. was her name. M.M. was in our church choir in Kaduna, Kaduna in Nigeria, northern Nigeria, where he served as an associate pastor. Had a sprawling fashion designing business. One of the ministries I oversaw was the choir ministry. And M.M. was one of my most devoted most generous members. She was so generous that when the choir decided to get uniforms, M.M. single-handedly took on the project. She designed the uniforms and sold them for every member of the choir. She was young and in her late 20s or early 30s, and she loved the things of God, but suddenly, tragically, she passed away. Crushed and heartbroken, I was required to travel almost two days from Kaduna to a small town in Akwaibom State at the time. I don't know if that state still exists. <laughs> Akwaibom to go conduct her funeral. I realized so much later, a lot of the attacks that we were to 
encounter, experience on this trip was because the enemy saw a harvest and a revival coming in this small town in Akwaibom. And he was doing everything he could to stop us from getting there. Somewhere on this trip in the middle of the night, we had traveled almost 12 hours already. Somewhere in pitch darkness during the night, our vehicle suddenly stopped. There was no explanation for it. We knew it was a spiritual attack. There was no light anywhere. We were driving a brand new car, which one of the members of the church had given to us with his driver. There was no light anywhere, but all around us were huts and paraphernalia devoted to occultism. You could sense the evil power of the kingdom of darkness. Even in our pain on this difficult trip, Satan was waging war against us. Our driver, who was also a proficient mechanic, had no idea what to do. Suddenly, supernatural light came into my spirit, and I asked the driver, go back and open that bonnet of the car, the hood of the car again. He did. Inspired by the Holy Spirit, I pointed to a couple of wires in the, in the, in the engine, and I said to him, join them together. He was very reluctant, because you know what happens. If you join two cables together, you can have an explosion. Reluctantly, he, he obeyed, and suddenly, the engine of the car roared back to life. We, re, we arrived in the small town in Akwaibom, just in time to conduct the service. See, we had an arrangement before we headed out that I would conduct the service. But the enemy was working hard to either stop us from getting there altogether or delay our getting there on time so somebody else from the local traditional church there will run the service. But the Lord got us there just in time. I remember that after I ministered the word of God in the chapel, suddenly the power of God broke out and revival began. In that small ungodly town, many people were giving their lives to Christ. Old and young men and women. People were crying. I haven't seen this in over 20 years and I've been to different places. I've been to places in Africa. I've been to places in Europe. I've been to places in America. I haven't seen this since 25 years ago. People were literally crying to receive the gospel. I remember every home we entered. Actually, one of the leaders in the community then asked that we will walk, I and some of the, the people that were on my team, that we will walk with him through the town because the people, all the people, wanted us to come into their homes to pray for them. This town was an ungodly town. The gospel, the real gospel had not been preached there before then. I knew that because when we showed up, Right there in that church, the denominational leader of the church who had already commenced the service was extremely disappointed that we made it in. But out of courtesy, he moved aside and turned over the pulpit to me. And the anointing of the Holy Spirit fell in that congregation. And from that congregation and the miracles that we saw in that congregation, the entire town because the world traveled, people left from the service. Listen, we went there for a funeral for a Christian who died. But God turned that funeral around and created a harvest in that city. I learned two important lessons from this life-changing experience. Number one, although many things happen in our lives that are mysterious and difficult to understand, make up your mind. 
that with every painful experience you encounter in your life, you will press harder into the kingdom of God and that you will partner with him to raise down the gates of hell. Always remember, in spite of everything you go through, Jesus is alive and Jesus is still Lord. One of the ways the enemy has confused many believers is focused on the areas where he has a control. I told you at the beginning of this service, we know Satan has control over certain areas. The Bible calls him the God of this world. But don't be mistaken. Do not be confused. Jesus is still alive and Jesus is still Lord. Just the fact that Satan is able to walk in certain areas where he has jurisdiction... And he's he's able to make certain things work out in such a way that they are contrary to the word of God. Does not mean God has lost his power. It simply means in that area he has some control. And so what, what you need to do constantly, what you constantly need to do is remind yourself. Jesus said in John 16, 33. I have told you this thing so that in me you may have perfect peace and confidence. In the world you have tribulation, trials, distress, and frustration. But be of good cheer. Take courage. Be confident. I have overcome the world. Jesus has overcome the world. I say Jesus has overcome the world. No matter what you are dealing with, Jesus has already overcome the world. Shout hallelujah, somebody. I know we ought to bring this service to a close pretty soon. Give me just a few minutes, a couple of minutes here. The second lesson I learned from this experience, when we look away from the distracting situations Satan works hard to create in our lives, and when we stay focused on God's plan for the harvest, we will experience some of the most outstanding miracles and outpourings of heaven's blessings and harvest the world has ever known. Let me give you a word of counsel. Those of you who are leaders and ministers in Abundant Life International Church, Let me give you counsel like Paul used to say way back then, I speak by the Spirit of the Lord. Do everything you can in your life to get as much together as you can in the natural. Do your part. Be excellent. In every assignment that God gives you, put everything you have into it. But when it's all said and done, remember your focus is the kingdom of God. At the end of the day, we're not trying to get results like people are getting results. We're not trying to follow somebody else's blueprint. We're not trying to do what somebody else has done. At the end of the day, what we're doing is focusing on the kingdom of God and finding out what the Lord has sent us to do and do it and do it with the best of our ability. That's it. That's it. We're not called to compete. We're not called to compare. No, 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 no. We got past that a long time ago. We're called to run with the gospel. We're called to do what God called us to do. Come on, abundant life, what time is it? Look all around you for the harvest. If they're not there around you, lift up your eyes like Jesus said. I'll never forget one of the most challenging evangelism experiences I had. I've talked to you about it here before. You know, there's almost no home around, I'll say five, uh, let's say about mm, 20, 30 minutes radius around this church, this church building that I have not personally walked to to go hand out a gospel leaflet. Personally. I'm not saying I send people. Personally. 
And I remember one of the times that I did it, I did it a couple of times over the last five years. I remember one of the times that I did probably about two or three years ago. I remember one of the homes was not too far from here in Mayfield Heights. <laughs> I remember I was walking through the street. And I was going from home to home. Evangelizing and witnessing and telling them about Jesus. And those who will listen, you know, you have to be very courteous. Most people don't want to listen to that long story. So you just tell them, well, you know, Jesus loved you. I just brought you a little card from our church. Uh, oh, where's your church? So those of them who were courteous, they received it. Many of them would say, no. And we just kept moving. We just kept on going. But I'll never forget uh, 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 as I walked somewhere, a street here, not too far from here, just around Costco. Just one of those streets that leads to Costco, not five minutes from here. I remember on that particular street, on a very cold fall morning, as I was going house to house and house to house and house to house, suddenly a police car showed up behind me. I found out afterwards somebody on that street had called the police department. And one of the first things they said to the police department, there's a black man walking the street and he's driving a Mercedes-Benz and he's going from house to house. He looks suspicious. Well, you know, I would have done exactly the same. I would have done exactly the same if I didn't know who he was and what he was doing. But I remember that when the policeman came, he was very courteous. He talked to me, he asked me a few questions. I told him where our church was. Oh, he said, I know that church, Abundant Life, is on Wilson Mills Road. He was the nicest police officer. And, and that's why sometimes I say too, you know, you, you know, seeds. Seed time and harvest is very important. How sometimes the seed you put out sometimes determines the harvest you get back. Just the fact that somebody is mean to you does not mean you should immediately be mean to them. I think sometimes we just, we, as believers, you have to remember, do the best you can with the circumstances you have. And always remember at the end of the day, your focus is the kingdom of God. We're not trying to compete. We're not here to fight in the natural. We're here to do the work of the gospel. Amen. I remember the policeman, you know, after he asked me a couple of questions. Well, of course, before he got to me, because my, my car was parked farther away, and I noticed he had pulled up behind my car, so he had kind of pulled up and checked my license and everything. And so he walked up to me and said, well, you know, people were just a little bothered and all of that, but I've checked you out. I know you're good, and you have anything. I gave him my, my um, complimentary card. We became friends. But, but something told me um, many of the people living on the street um, because they, got, they saw the car. Some of them came out of their houses and picked the car, and they saw it was a gospel thing. It's not a ripe harvest. It's not a ripe harvest. Hallelujah. And, and you've just got to make up your mind. The fact that a harvest is not ripe where you are doesn't mean there is no ripe harvest anywhere. Shoot. That is a revelation I just gave you. <laughs> it's a revelation the Lord just gave you right there. The fact that your brother-in-law doesn't want to listen to the gospel doesn't mean every other person in your family is not ready to hear the gospel. You've just got to know when to say, okay, thank you, bye, see you. Bye, Felicia. So the fact that the harvest isn't ripe just in one place does not mean we stop preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Doesn't mean... 
The fact that somebody is mean to you, the fact that somebody rejects you, the fact that somebody says something negative about you does not mean Jesus lost his power. Come on, church. Just keep on preaching abundant life. We're going to preach this gospel until Jesus returns. I better wrap up now. Shut up. Shut up and sit down. Close. I have to launch something before I do that. Because I, I, I know it's, it's, it's getting too long. I, I want to be respectful of you. But this, this word is so, it's, it's like fire in my bones. I can't, I can't shut it down. I just want you to know. I want to declare it. I, don't, I want all of heaven and all of hell and all of the earth to know. That we're going to preach this gospel until Jesus comes. We're never going to stop. We're never going to stop. It doesn't matter what we see. It doesn't matter what we experience. We are never going to stop. We may speak to a hundred people and 99 people may say no. But we're going to keep on preaching. And we're going to keep on moving. And we're going to keep on going. And we're going to keep on reaping the harvest of the land. Shout hallelujah somebody. Come on shout hallelujah somebody. Remember when it's all said and done. We're called. To reap the harvest of the earth. All over the world, fields are ripe and harvests, like we experienced 25 years ago, are ready and waiting. I know that a lot of the transitions that we initiated in our ministry, ALICC, from the beginning of this year, was so that we would be well positioned to reap the harvest of this new decade beginning, beginning in 2020. That's why I'm launching today what I have called the ALICC Club 100 for 2020. And I'm declaring into the atmosphere our dream to raise $100,000 in the year 2020 just for world missions. Just for world missions. I don't know about you. I want to be one of those that partner with this, with this vision. Maybe you are one of those two. Maybe God is calling you to be a part of it too. This is not a local church program. Our focus extremely is going to be extremely um, targeted towards world missions in 2020 based on what I'm sharing with you. Our local churches are going to be stronger than ever. We're going to do everything we can to continue to bless the people who worship with us and continue to grow the churches and continue to minister there like God has called us. But we're going to throw a lot of our energies and a lot of our passion and a lot of our resources into these world missions. Even as I speak with you right now, you know the harvest is ripe and ready. You saw that little video where that brother said, he was one of the things he said, many of them, they have said many of those things before. They had listed different things that needed need to happen. In some, but you, one of the things he said, which Pastor Stella actually also recommended on, uh, at the end of our trip, she said, you know what, well, we, we need to believe God and start translating a lot of our materials, especially our school of ministry manuals, into the Hindu language. You know what that costs? Money. World evangelization and world missions cost money. It takes prayer, but it costs money. And we've never done this before in Abundant Life. But as we approach the dawn of 2020, I'm going to launch, by the grace of God, if the Lord tarries, I'm going to launch this ALICC Club 100. 
And I'm going to give you more, more clues about it, more information about it. Please, don't feel any pressure. The Bible says the Lord is the Lord of the harvest. I feel no pressure whatsoever. I feel zero pressure to do anything that the Lord has called us to do. The Lord just blessed us with an outstanding harvest in that um, mission trip that Pastor Stella went on. No pressure. Thank God for um, many of you that helped us make that possible. But don't feel any pressure. I just want, I want to sow that seed today. And I'm not going to say more than that about it. I want to plant that seed in your heart. And I want you to start praying about it. Because in the year 2020, we're going to believe God for $100,000. Not for local church work. None of this is going, to have no, is going to have anything to do with our local churches. Not for local church work, not for bills, not for mortgages, not for planting new churches. No, nothing local. This is going to be for world mission, for global missions. And we're going to believe God. I'm going to share with you the plan that the Lord has given us that we've been praying about for quite a few months now. The plan to create a partnership with Abundant Life International Church Commission that goes way beyond the reach of our local churches, that helps us come up with the resources that we need to take the gospel around the world. We're going to get it done. I have no doubt about it. We're going to get it done. Shout hallelujah, somebody. Are you excited, Abundant Life? You don't look like it. I said, are you really excited? You look more to me like you are. Like you are wondering, how is all this going to happen? You know, like they said in the Acts of the Apostles, how is all this going to happen? Let's close this out. How's the, how, does the rain of, how does the harvest happen? How is the harvest released? Two major things that bring the harvest, the rain. And in the Old Testament, the Bible tells us about the former rain and the latter rain. And the second thing is the wind of God, the Holy Spirit. I want you to know that I hear the sound of abundance of rain in my spirit today. I hear that sound very clearly. Although there is a famine in the land. Although a lot of the things that we see are not necessarily encouraging. Although sometimes it's actually challenging to press forward in doing what the Lord has called us to do. But I want you to know, louder than ever, stronger than ever today, I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. The Lord is going to rain on your field. The wind of God is blowing in your direction. God just wants to know, like, how many people are going to be a part of this harvest? You know, you've heard me talk extremely um, uh, uh, um, um, in, in elaborate ways about the harvest of souls. But there's, the Bible doesn't just talk to us about the harvest of souls in the Bible. There are four major harvests, but all of those harvests walk behind the harvest of souls. There's a harvest of miracles. There's a harvest of finances. There's a harvest of crops and blessings, natural blessings. And then, of course, there's a harvest of natural human outcomes. All of those harvests work hand in hand with the harvest of souls. One of the greatest ways you position yourself to reap the harvest of the earth is to partner with God with his plan to save lives and to reap the harvest of the world across the nations of the world. Once you come to that place and you have that devotion and that commitment, you get positioned and the reign of God 
is going to fall upon you. I hear the sound of abundance of rain. And that rain is not just for nothing. It's coming over your house. Where there's been dryness, rain is going to come in your house. Where there's been famine for many years and you haven't seen crops grow, the rain of God is going to come over your family. Where you've experienced dryness and limitations in the natural things of life, the blessing of God and the showers of heaven are going to come over you. I see the sound and I hear the sound of abundance of rain. It's coming all over you. It's coming all over your families. I see the wind of God is coming in your direction. Some of you are going to reap outstanding miracles of God's favor and God's blessings. Some of you are going to experience things that you have never experienced or you've never even imagined in your life. Some of you are going to experience miracles, supernatural miracles, miracles of healings, miracles of fruits, miracles of finances. Some of you are going to see things and you are going to touch things that you never imagined in your life would ever happen to you. Some of you are going to reap a harvest of finances. Many of you are going to touch hundreds of thousands of dollars. God is going to put it in your hands because you have a passion for world evangelism. God is going to connect you. He's going to bring you to a place of high level, a place of elevation, a place of, of, of great reach and great heights. God is going to do an amazing work in your heart that will cause the heart and the ears of men to tingle. Why? Because you have a passion for the harvest of the world. If you want to join us as I close, get ready to close out in this service. If you want to join us by saying, yes, pastor, I believe God with you. I believe that we're going to take the harvest of the world. I believe that this is the season, it's harvest time, that everything that God has spoken, he has the ability and the wherewithal to bring it to pass. And I want to be a part of that vision. If you want to say that, would you please stand to your feet and just join us, join me right now in the spirit.